How are we? We good? Yeah, yeah. Love this service. So glad that you guys are here tonight. My name is Jeremy, one of the pastors. Want to give a shout out to those of you joining us online as well. Great to have you tuning in with us today. Uh, baptism weekend. Holler. Amen. It's going to be awesome. Uh, and uh, I got a super excited about the message that God's placed upon my heart for you guys tonight. Before we dive into that, just want to encourage you with our Christmas village coming up. In fact, you've got some invite cards on your seats. Uh, this is going to be a great opportunity in the next uh, upcoming weeks for you to bring your one. Now, our mission uh, and vision here at Shelter Cove is reaching and raising authentic followers of Jesus. And our vision is that everyone will know him. And that comes right out of Luke chapter 15 where it says that Jesus, the good shepherd, would leave the 99 and go after the one, the one that doesn't yet know Jesus, the one that's wandered away, the, wonder, the one that's not right with God. And so my prayer is that if you call Shelter Cove your home church, and I hope you do, that you would have a one in your life, a friend, a family member, a coworker, a neighbor, and that you would use this upcoming opportunity to bring your one to the Christmas village. And my hope is that they'd have a great time. They'd meet some other great Christians, which is you guys. Thank you in advance for your serving. And that they'd want to come back to one of our several Christmas services. And at one of those services, I pray that they would hear about the good news of Jesus Christ and that they would surrender their life to Jesus Christ. They would never be the same because of you. Amen? And so that's what we're praying for this season. Uh, let me pray for that, and we will jump into our message. Heavenly Father, to say that we're excited about this upcoming season would be an understatement. And we just pray that you would use us to be your hands and to be your feet. Give us your eyes, give us your mouth. God, that we would have a heart for those that are not walking with you, and that you would use the Christmas village, that you would use the Christmas services. And ultimately, that you would use us to bring people to Jesus. So God, help us. Give us courage. Give us boldness. It's in Jesus' precious and holy name we pray. Amen and amen. Well, if you have your Bible, go and grab those out. Ephesians chapter 5 is where we're going to be hanging out. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. One of the ushers will get one to you in just a moment. I've, uh, I've labeled this sermon PG-13. Because we're going to be talking about a, a little bit of stuff, right? Or R for reality, right? No, uh, it's PG-13 um, because we're going to be talking about the stuff that Paul talks about in this passage. Now, we're in Ephesians chapter 5, and let me set up a little context that's taken place already. Paul uh, has written this letter to these churches in Ephesus. Paul wrote this letter from a prison and it's uh, to these churches, and there was so much struggle between the Jews and the Gentiles. And Paul spent the first three chapters uh, unfolding who you are in Christ, who we are in Christ, that we've been adopted, that we've been sealed, that if we've got a relationship with Jesus Christ, that we're his children, that we are loved, that we are valued. And he's gone on and on and on and on and to say, hey, this is who you are. And then chapters 4, 5, and 6 are all about because you know who you are, this is how you're supposed to walk. This is how you're supposed to, to live your life. And last week we looked at the passage that talked about who we were before Christ, the transformation, who we are now after Christ. And Paul wants us to live in a couple different ways. And today we're talking about love and we're talking about light. And so if you have your notes... The first point that Paul wants us 
to see is that we are called by Jesus to walk in love. Now, how do we do that? It's two words. It's imitate Jesus. Imitate Jesus. And this is what he says. He says in verse 1, he says, therefore. In other words, because you know who you are, because your identity is from God and not from the world, because you're valuable, because you're loved, because your eternity is secure, he says, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And so here he's saying, therefore, he says, be imitators of God. You know, one of the, my favorite things to do around Thanksgiving and Christmas is hang out with my two brothers. I got an older brother, I got a younger brother, because when we get together, it is a party, right? Not just a party, it's a party. Uh, because we hang out and, and we, we're around my dad. And one of the things that we do is we like to make fun of my dad. We like to imitate my dad. We like to mimic our dad. Why? Because we know him so well. Like, we know the typical things he says. We know how he says it. We, we know some of his habits. Uh, we know all that stuff. So we'll sit around the, the table and we'll hang out and we'll laugh because we just want to imitate our father. And here, Paul is saying, hey, you're supposed to imitate a, a father, all right, but it's a different kind of father. It's your heavenly father. He says, hey, the heart of Jesus needs to be your heart. The actions of Jesus need to be your actions. And he says, but boy, as, as be imitators of God as beloved children. Now, how do we know who God is? It's through his word. It's really hard to imitate somebody you don't know. And so we got to make sure that we don't come up with our own understanding of God. We need to make sure that we're not coming up with an understanding that's based upon the culture. No, we need to understand that we're imitating God based upon what his word says. This, this Greek word, imitators, it's, it's this, this word that literally means mimic. He's saying you need, you need to mimic God as beloved children. Now, now, here's the reality. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you are a child of God. Not everybody in this world is a child of God. We're all created in the image of God. But to be a child of God, that happens when we recognize and realize that we are sinners in need of a Savior, that we reach out to God through Jesus Christ, knowing that Jesus Christ is the only one that can make us right with God because he went to the cross in our place for our sins so that we could be right with God. And if you have not yet given your life to Jesus Christ, I pray that today would be the day where you say, I am now a child of God. Because here's what happens. When you recognize you're a sinner in, in need of a Savior, you are adopted into the family of God. And the Bible says that you're born again. You have this new birth. You have this new life. And so Paul's saying here, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. And this is what he says. He says, and walk in love. Stay there. And, and, and walk in love. Uh, I love this, it, to, to have the rest of your life, every single day, walking in love. Now, we throw this term love out in so many different ways, right? You could say, you know what, I love hamburgers. I love my cat. I love my husband. Hopefully, they don't all mean the same thing, right? Some of you are like, of course they don't. I love my cat a whole lot more, right? But, but this word where, where he's saying, and walk in love, as Christ loved us. What's that word for love? It's, it's agape. It's not a, a brotherly love. It's not an affectionate love. It's not a sexual love. It's, it's an unconditional love. We're, we're to love others the way that, that Christ has loved us. 
You know, Romans 5.8, it says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In other words, God's love has everything to do with who he is. He says, hey, walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So what did Jesus do? He, he literally gave himself up for us. That's sacrifice. You know, one of the, the things in our culture that we don't want to do, we don't want to sacrifice. To, to, to love in a sacrificial way means I'm going to give somebody something that, that maybe I'm not going to get to experience for myself. And for me, it's, it's sacrificing in all the little ways. It's doing the little things so that when an opportunity comes around and God wants me to sacrifice in a big way, I'll be ready because I've made a pattern of my life to sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice. Now, I don't do it all the time. I don't always get it right, but I want to. And this is a life where we constantly say, you know what, it's not about us, it's about Jesus. It's not about us, it's about others. And so there's, there's times when I get home and my wife says, hey, how was your day? And I say, great. And she's like, good. Can you change some diapers? It's like, yes! That's the last thing I want to do inside. But I'm not going to be able to get a snack right away or do what I want to do. Why? Because I'm sacrificing for the sake of someone else. You know, when you live out the core values of our church and you sacrifice... You are saying this is my way of communicating my, my love for the Lord and my love for the church. When, when, some of you are going to serve on the, for the Christmas village. And it's not just going to be something you do. It's going to be something you, you do out of love for sacrifice because you're not going to have time to go home and change your clothes. You're not going to have time to, to get dinner. You're going to come straight here from your job. Why? Because you're willing to sacrifice what you want to do for the sake of something better. I think about it, if, if you commit to community and, and being in a, in a cove group, for some of you, you are introverts. You're like, the only person I want to talk to today is myself and look in the mirror and talk to myself. And even then I get a little bit scared sometimes, right? And so for you to join a, a cove group or a life group, you're like, you know what? I'm going to sacrifice how I feel for the sake of something that's better. For some of you, when it comes to our year-end giving, boy, for you to give a gift above and beyond this year, you're going to have to say, you know what, I, I need to not eat out very much in December. I'm not going to be able to go to Starbucks five days to five times a day. It's going to have to be down to three, you know, a sacrifice for the team, right? Um, but you're going to have to make sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice because that's what love does. And then it says, as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Back in the Old Testament, you, you would burn some kind of a sacrifice. The aroma would go up to God, and it was pleasing to him. So ultimately, he's talking already in this passage about living a life that, that's ultimately pleasing to God. Now, what does it say as far as love is in 1 Corinthians chapter 13? 1 Corinthians says, love is patient and kind. It does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. Hello. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. And boy, as we focus on just trying to love God and love people, it's amazing how everything else will just begin to fall into place. Here's three points about love. Three points about love. We love God through loving people. In other words, to the level that you love others, it's the way that you love God. So, so our way of loving God is through people. 
saying, God, I want to love you. I'm going to, I'm going to love my spouse even though they're not treating me right. I'm going to love my neighbor even though they annoy me. I'm going to love my kids even though I just want to chuck them over the fence, right? I don't know where that came from. It just came out, right? But, but it's our way of loving God. Second of all, we are not commanded to like, but we are commanded to love. And everybody said, amen. You know, there are some people in this world You're going to struggle to like. And that's okay. Because as Christians, we are not called to something as liking people. We are called to something so much deeper. And it's loving people. Because here's the reality. Liking is emotional. Loving is a choice. Every single day, we have the opportunity to get out of bed and say, today I'm going to choose. I'm going to choose to love. I'm going to choose to lay down my life. I'm going to choose to sacrifice. And so Paul says, these are all the things that love is. And then he's going to say, but this is what love is not. And this is what he says in verse 3. He puts it this way. He says, but sexual immorality and impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. Let there be no filthiness or foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. So here's, here's Paul saying, hey, this is what love is. It's sacrificial. It's, it's giving ourselves uh, to the Lord, to others. It's, it's not about us. It's unconditional love. And here's what love is not. The first thing that he says is sexual immorality. And here's, here's where we're going to go because that's where the text goes. What, what is sexual immorality? It's any kind of sexual activity involvement outside of the marriage relationship between a husband and wife. I got to tell you, there's a lot of people in our culture that don't, don't like that. They don't agree with that. As followers of Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter because that's what God says. And, and here's the reality. When we understand that God's word is for our good. That God wants the best for us. But boy, the, the best life you can have sexually is if you save yourself for marriage and give yourself to the, your spouse. That's not popular today. But boy, is it powerful because that is God's plan. And this is so important because in the Greco-Roman world where, where Paul was writing to this city of, of Ephesus, that there was so much sexual sin. Uh, like, it, it was normal. Uh, th there was a, a temple with the, the god Artemis, and part of the way that you would worship this god Artemis was going and having sex with the temple prostitutes. Uh, I, I think about Nero. Nero was one of the most sexually sinful people you could imagine. He was openly gay, and he was sexually involved with his mom. And here's Paul, Paul saying, as a follower of Jesus Christ, man, I'm calling you to be different. I'm calling you to stand out. I'm calling you to a, to a life of purity. And it's hard because uh, think about your senses just for a moment. Our, our, you know, your senses can get used to something. Like if you, you know, my wife and I moved over towards East Modesto about 10 years ago, and the trains were crazy loud there. You know, in the middle of the night, they'd wake us up all the time. And then a couple weeks went by, and we didn't notice it as much. And now I don't notice it at all. I don't even hear these trains. 
Like I, I've painted like different places in our house and different, you know, you, you smell that paint and it's like super strong. And after a while you go back in and it doesn't smell as bad. It doesn't smell as bad. doesn't smell as bad. Pretty soon you go in, you, you kind of like it because of the way it makes you feel, right? No, but you just keep going in there and you can't smell the paint anymore. Why? Because your senses have a way of adapting to saying it's not that big of a deal, which is great when our physical senses do that. The challenge is when our spiritual senses do that. See, being in a, a culture where there's so much sexual immorality, what was once something that disgusted us, is now something that's normalized and not even that big of a deal. And so Paul's saying, man, man your life, it has to be different. You know, for some of us, we've made huge mistakes sexually. And here's my encouragement for you. It's just because that's who you were doesn't mean that's who you need to be today. That you can walk in the grace and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. Parents, I want to just encourage you with just having an open relationship with your kids. I tell my kids, hey, if you ever want to have any conversations about sex, come talk to me and I'm going to tell you what the Bible says. It's an opportunity for us to, to get comfortable. When I was a high school pastor, we'd have this thing in youth group and we'd pass it around. It was called the sex box. And kids could write down questions in there, any question they wanted. And, and they knew that when I answered those questions, I was going to tell them a biblical perspective of what God says about sex. Now, now you don't need to have a sex box in your living room, all right? You can if you want, you know, and be like, hmm, I wonder who wrote this question. Huh? Um, but it's an opportunity for you as mom and dad to say, hey, I want you to hear truth from me. Ladies, let me just share this with you just for a moment. One of the greatest ways that you can honor God is through the way you dress. But, you know, guys that are pursuing Jesus Christ don't find it attractive when women dress in a way where half of their body parts are hanging out. Just got real up in here, didn't it? Boy, but when you dress with modesty and decency, man, there is something that is attractive about that. A couple other things on sexual immorality. Um, you know, one of the, the biggest lies, single people, that the enemy will tell you is look at as much porn as you want before marriage and sleep around as much as you want because once you get married, you can stop all that. Friends, it doesn't work that way. Well, if you don't deal with your porn issue before marriage, you're going to bring it into marriage. If you haven't dealt with the self-control issue before marriage, you're going to bring it into marriage. And we're going to talk about how, how do we break free from these things? How, how do we walk in the light? We're going to talk about that in just a moment. But Paul's talking about all, all of these different things. He says sexual immorality then goes on into impurity. Anything that's contaminated. Go back to the last slide. Um, covetousness. Like, like This is one of those sins that's often minimized. It's wanting what you don't have. You see your neighbor that, that has something, you're like, man, I, I want that. I, I crave that. And a lot of us are like, man, I, I don't struggle with anything that's uh, super bad. Yet at the same time, we constantly want, 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 want. How do we know this? Because your best friend is the driver for Amazon that comes to your house every day. Right? You're just click, 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 click. You're constantly looking out the front window more than a dog because you're waiting for the Amazon driver. And if we're not careful, we can be so in tune with all the struggles of everybody else 
And yet we don't realize we've got this coveting problem in our own lives. When it's, it's not just shopping. For some of us, we are scrolling Facebook nonstop, 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 because we are wanting the life that other people have. Like th- these are the things that Paul's talking about and saying, man, we've we got to be different. He said, those are the things that are part of your life. And he says, your mouth, filthiness, foolish talk, crude joking, which are out of place. He's like, hey, be careful what you say. Why does he say your mouth? Jesus said it's out of the overflow of your heart that the mouth speaks. You know, when I was a kid and I'd go to the, the doctor, one of the first things the doctor would do would say, they'd say, open your mouth. Stick out your tongue. You remember that? Bah! Right? Now, why would you do that? Because the doctor could tell a whole lot about the condition of your health through the way your tongue looked. Here Jesus is saying the tongue, man, it needs to be different. Those coarse jokes, those rude jokes, those inappropriate jokes. They're not a part of a Christian that's seeking to love me. And then he says this in the next couple of verses. He says, for you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous this, that is an idolater, has no inheritance to the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. What is he saying? He's saying, if your life is marked by these things where you have sexual immorality, where, where you've got coveting, and there is no remorse, no repentance, no guilt, but you indulge, then boy, there's no evidence that you're a follower of Jesus Christ. Now please, please don't misunderstand me. Some of the most godly people I know still from time to time struggle with lust. Still from time to time struggle with coveting. Still from time to time struggle with saying something they shouldn't. When we become a Christian, it doesn't mean that we're sinless. But here's what it means. The longer we walk with Christ, we sin less and less and less and less. So Paul's saying, hey, the first thing that we want to do is we want to walk in love. And how do we do that? We imitate Jesus. Second thing that we do is we're going to walk in light. And this is where he's saying, seek to please Jesus. Seek to please Jesus. What does that mean? That means when we give our life to Jesus Christ, we have an audience of one. It might makes life a whole lot easier because the one person that we need to please is Jesus. And if we're pleasing Jesus, well, that was weird. Puberty just kicked in. If we're pleasing Jesus, we're going to please the other people that we ultimately want to please. Because there is no way that we can please everybody out there. Amen? There's no way. And this is what Paul says in verse 7. Verse 7. Paul says, therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. I I love that. He said, hey, you used to be darkness. But then Jesus Christ came into your life. Jesus Christ changed you from the inside out. It changed you. And now you're pursuing just the things that are uh, good and right and true and trying to discern what is pleasing to God. Why is this so important? Because we live in a culture that's trying to please other people. We live in a culture where we just want to make other people happy. 
We wonder why we're exhausted all the time because that's impossible. No matter what you do, there will be people that are disappointed in you. How do I know that? Because I'm a pastor, right? We went through COVID. I remember that was one of the... uh, one of the most difficult times for me in leadership and one of the most freeing times. Because one of the things that God taught me was that no matter what I did, there were always going to be people that were frustrated and disappointed. And at the end of the day, I just had to say, God, what do you want me to do? God, what do you want me to do? Because if we're not careful and we're trying to please other people, ultimately, who are we trying to please? I think we're trying to please ourselves. What what would it look like for you in this upcoming season to seek to please God? This is what it says in Colossians 1.10. Colossians 1.10 puts it this way. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. In other words, what would it look like for us every single day to wake up and say, God, what can I do to please you? You know, it was, it was interesting. A couple weeks ago, I went to Costco, and my wife and I have been trying to figure out, we've gone mattress shopping. Yeah, it's one of the worst things you can do, right? Because you don't know if they work, and we got this all-foam one, it didn't work. We got this other one that, that didn't work, and we got them from Costco. Costco's got a great return policy. Our backs were hurting. So I go to Costco, and I, I return a mattress. And then I go back like three days later, and I'm on my way to Costco returning a second mattress that didn't work out. And my mom was like, Jeremy, are you a little bit nervous that somebody's going to say something to you? And I'm like, Mom, no. I don't care. And I say that because for some of you, The greatest decision you could make is not happening because you care too much about what other people think of you. God's putting something on your heart. You know it's the right thing to do. And God's waiting for you to do it. I show up at Costco. I drag the second mattress in with a couple days. And it's somebody from Shelter Cove that's working there. It's like, hey, Jeremy. I'm like, hey, how are you? Another mattress? You didn't see the first one, right? Yeah, I'm just a customer of the month, right? And so God's giving me this opportunity to learn, hey, what does it mean to ultimately please him? Now, has it always been that way? No. I struggled with pleasing people. I hate to admit this, but I'm going to. Where are my high school students at? Right, All over the place. High school students. When I was in high school, when I was a junior in high school, I would buy $10 worth of candy. Now, back then, you could get a lot of candy. I'm not going to say how much because it's going to age myself but I would bring bags of candy to baseball games and I would give them out to other people on the team for one reason. I wanted them to like me. I wanted them to say, man, Jeremy, you're awesome. Can I have another Kit Kat? Now, isn't that shallow? Yes, but it worked. No, not really. Um, It was horrible. And God's just just maturing me and growing me in a way where it's like at the end of the day, I ultimately want to please God. So here's what you want to do. The next time you get into a situation where you've got to make a decision, it's going to affect people, you ask yourself two questions. Number one question is, how do I please God? And you turn to his word and you ask godly people what they think, not people that are going to tell you what you want to hear. How do I please God? And God's going to make something perfectly clear. And the second question you have to ask yourself is, how do I honor everybody involved? Because when we make decisions, 
So much of it, it's not about uh, uh, the decision. It's about, doing it. it's, it's about doing the right thing, but also it's not just about what you do. It's about how you do it. See, sometimes we can honor God and we can tear apart so many people in the process. And so Paul's saying, hey, live for Christ. Ne- ne- next passage. He says, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful to even speak of the things that they do in secret. These unfruitful works of darkness. Paul's talked about those already in verse 3 and 4. The sexual immorality, impurity, the talking, all that kind of stuff. He says, expose them. How do you do that? Well, it's through the way you live your life and it's through your speech. It's what, what Paul talked about earlier. You know, it's interesting. In the Central Valley, sometimes my car gets so dirty here. And the worst is after it rains just a little bit, right? Because all that dirt just sticks to it. And, and there's times if I drive up to Sacramento and see my family, I'll pull up somewhere to, to like Chick-fil-A or where, wherever. And I'll realize that my car is dirty because every other car is clean. And it makes me want to clean my car, not because of anybody said anything, but because all the other cars are clean. Now, I can't use that illustration about, you know, when I drive into church, all the other cars are clean. Because your cars are all dirty, right? But how do we... How do we expose them? It's through the way we live our life. It's, it's through living a Christian life. It's, it's, it's representing the Lord well through what we do and through what we say. Now, here's the problem. So many people don't realize that they're walking in darkness because of our speech and our actions don't reflect the Lord. So many people get from us a watered-down version of Christianity. You know, I had a friend years ago that said, Jeremy, I went and, I went and had some sushi and it was horrible. Now, that, that, that cut me to the heart because I'm a sushi lover. He said, I went and had sushi, and it was horrible. And I said, okay, where'd you get it from? They said it was from Walmart. <laughs> My response is, you should have gotten it from the gas station because it probably would have been better. Right? Here was my response. My response was, go to Sushi Garden and ask for the Miami roll because you will be praising Jesus. And when I mean praising Jesus, you will lift your hands up in the air and start singing worship music in the middle of the restaurant. Here, here's, here's the reality. It was, didn't like sushi. Why? Because it was from Walmart. And yet how many times are we living lives in ways where we are giving people a watered-down version of Christianity? Where they don't like it, they want nothing to do with it, because they're not getting the real thing. Paul's saying expose them just through the way that you live your life, through your love, through your light. Then he goes on and says this in the last two verses. He says, but when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. And anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Go ahead and keep this verse up here. I love this. He says, anything that is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. What would it look like for you today to, to allow the light of Jesus Christ to shine on your life, on your sin? Because Paul's saying when, when light shines on our sin, that the ugly area of our life that we all have, it becomes it becomes light. And that's so important because we are the light of the world. Well, how do you know if you're, you're living in darkness? Well, I think there's a couple of different ways. Three questions. Number one is, what are you hiding? 
How do you know if you're walking in darkness? When you hide stuff, you erase your history on your computer. What are you lying about would be question number two. What are, what are you covering? And then number three is what are you, where are you blaming someone else? It's the first thing Adam and Eve did when they sinned. They, they started blaming other people. When sin is exposed, change can take place and sins can be forgiven. You know, one of the, the roughest parts about being a teenager was when my mom would wake us up for school. Because she wouldn't just do like the, hey, good morning. Good morning, Jeremy. It would be like, open the door. Shh. Window goes on. Light comes on, right? Light shines. And, and for the first, like, 30, 30 seconds, it's brutal. It's like, right? It's horrible. And you get over that initial pain, and it's so much better. Here's what happens when we bring to light the things in our lives that are filled with darkness. At first, it's, it's hard. It's difficult. But it becomes so much better. What would it look like for you to say, you know what? There's areas of my life where there's some darkness. But man, I want the light of Jesus Christ to shine on me. I want, I want, I want healing. I want help. You know, as a, as a high school pastor, there was a lot of high school boys that struggled with pornography. And here, here's what I loved. I loved that they could come up to me and say, Jeremy, I'm, I'm really struggling with pornography. I'd say, you know what, I'm, I'm so proud of you for saying something about it because you don't need to deal with this the rest of your life. We'd pray, and I'd have a conversation with them, and I'd say, hey, you need to talk to your parents, and let's set up some, uh, some software on your phone. Let's, let's get some covenant eyes on there and talk to your parents and let me know once you've talked to your parents. And they'd say, hey, I talked to my parents and had a great conversation with them. And then I'd call their parents and make sure they actually talked to their parents. And, but it was, there was this freedom that took place because they're like, man, I'm, I'm no longer hiding something. And you may think, well, what do we do as adults? Same thing. It's the same thing. I want this to be a church. I want this to a be a place where we can share our weaknesses, where we can share our sins, where we can share the darkness, knowing that we're not going to be criticized. We're not going to be judged. We're not going to have rocks thrown at us. But, boy, if you want help in healing, it's available here at Shelter Cove. You know, we've got a class that's going on right now. And the name of the class is called Not Alone. And it's for, for men that are struggling with sexual addiction. And, and these guys are experiencing healing, and the wives are going through a different class where they're, they're understanding the healing that needs to take place in their own lives. We've done a class called Surrender the Secret for years, where if you've had an abortion, you've always never wanted to tell anybody about that. You can meet in a small group with ladies that have all had abortions, and you can get the help and the healing and experience the forgiveness Jesus wants you to experience. But that's only possible we quit hiding. We say, you know what, I love Jesus, but man, I'm just struggling with X, Y, and Z. So here's the final question I want to leave you with tonight. It's this. What needs to be brought to the light? What needs to be brought to the light? Because for us to ultimately walk in love and imitate Jesus. We have to walk in light. And we have to seek Jesus. And, and for some of you tonight, maybe the greatest thing you can do. For some of you, you're like, 
well, what needs to be brought to the light? It's my life. My life is filled with sin. I've never given my life to Jesus Christ. And boy, if that's you, I'm going to pray in just a moment, and I want to encourage you to do what hundreds of people have done here at Shelter Cove over the last several years, and that's surrender your life to Jesus Christ and let his light come into your life. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, God, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for the love that you have for every single one of us. And God, we thank you that you are love and you are light. You're not asking us to do something or be someone that you're not already yourself. And for those of us that are struggling to love and struggling to live as light, God, would you help us? Would you strengthen us? And God, we know that one of the ways that you strengthen us is It's when we take those steps and we admit how weak we really are. And for some of us tonight, it's going to admit that we're we're sinners. God, our life is a train wreck. God, there's nothing we could do to save ourselves. And we need somebody to save us. And God, your, your word, the Bible says that that person is your son, Jesus Christ, who came to this earth to live a sinless life, a perfect life, and eventually go to the cross in our place for our sin, would die the perfect death, would rise three days later proving victory over sin and death, that everyone who places their faith and hope in Jesus Christ shall be saved. And so with all heads bowed, nobody looking around, but if you're here tonight and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, to be your personal Savior, I want to encourage you to do that right now. You can do that through a simple prayer. It's not the words of the prayer. It's the the attitude of your heart that goes something like this. Dear Jesus, today, I want to cross over from darkness to light. And in the best way I know how, I put all of my faith and trust in you. I turn, I repent from my sin. And I ask that you would make me into the person you want me to be. God, where I need help, would you help me? Where there's darkness, I want there to be light. So I give myself to you today. With all heads bowed, nobody looking around. But if that's you tonight for the first time and you want to give your life to Jesus Christ, can you just raise your hand and look at me? If that's you, you're like, man, Jeremy, that's me. I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. Awesome, I see that hand. Is there anyone else? Say, that's me. I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. God, I thank you so much for the hand that was raised and the heart that was changed. We love you. It's in Jesus' precious and holy name we pray. Amen and amen.